Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. We want to discover what makes creative people tick. Join us as we explore what it means to be a writer, and more importantly, what it means to be a person. Remember why you love music, and welcome to Pitch List. Hello, everybody. I'm Chris Lindsay, and this is Pitch List. We've got a special episode for you this week. We sent our producer, Dana, out to the Pilgrimage Festival, and she came back with chats with the Wild Reeds, Bree Kennedy, Anna Shoemaker, Anna Rose, and Stephen Kellogg. She even caught up with podcast alumnus Lucy Silvis. I think you're going to love this episode, so... Take it away, Dana. Hey, everyone. It's Dana from Pitchless Podcast, and we're here right now at Pilgrimage Fest 2019 with the Wild Reeds. How are you guys? Good. Thanks. Doing great. Awesome. So maybe do you want to go around and introduce yourselves and say um, what you play and or what you do in the band? Sure. I'm Mackenzie Howe, and I play guitar and keys and sing some vocals, write some songs. I'm Sharon. I play guitar and uh, sing and write. I'm Kinsey, and I play guitar and keys. Yeah, and I sing and write as well. Awesome. And is this your first year playing at Pilgrimage? Yes, it is. We saw you play earlier across the field. It was incredible. Um, The crowd was so excited. How how did that feel for you guys? Felt good. It was it was a good kickstart to the day. I think I think it was a little bit unexpected. Just like the vibe and like yeah, it was nice. We like to surprise people. Yeah. I love your guys' energy. Um, so why is it important to you, especially in these times, to not only be a female-fronted band, but to actually have three female lead singers and songwriters? Um, you know, we get this question a lot, and I mm-hmm. think our answer changes, and we, we change our answer, and we talk it through with each other. Um, but the truth is, at least right now, for us, we can all write on our own. We do all write on our own, and then we come together. But people often say to us that, you know, I didn't know who was the lead singer when I watched you guys, and then I realized it was all of you. And I, you don't normally see women do that because there's usually a token woman in a band or just a front woman. Right. So, honestly, you're watching us figure out what it, it means when you watch us play. We're sure. still figuring that out because we... Uh, we could all do it on our own and in this project we're choosing to do it together and figure out what it looks like for women to share not only their creativity but the spotlight with each other and it is a push and pull and it is kind of uncharted territory and uh, it's also incredible at the same time I think we've had a lot of other women tell us that it inspired them to do the same sure and that's what's really cool yeah Sharon's saying over there that that's what matters and that's what's important and it is to break down the, these funky social constructs that maybe women can't all be on a platform together sharing space. For sure. I think that's a message, you know, a lot of young girls need to hear. So going along those lines, what would be your advice to young women and aspiring female artists who want to be doing what you guys are doing and being on the stage together? Don't take shit from anyone. <laughs> yes. Work really hard and never step away from all the parts of your business. I love that. Yeah, I would say uh, you have to drown out everybody else and remember why you're doing it because it does get hard. For sure. So let's talk about 
your newest full-length album. You guys recently released it. It's your third album called Cheers. Um, tell us about that and why you decided to go with that name for the record. I'm curious. There's a track on the album called Cheers. Sure. And we messed around with different titles and we felt like that one uh, like packed a punch. But it's also a phrase that's on napkins and bottles and it's also a TV show. So <laughs> it's kind of hard. Uh, we were like, man, are we screwing ourselves? But in the end, we felt like it was appropriate and it's uh, we're it's the it's the camaraderie type of cheers versus the drinking type of cheers for sure. Yeah, and so going along with that camaraderie, I would love to hear more about your songwriting process as a band because you mentioned earlier that all three of you are songwriters. Um, so do you all write together on every song? Do you each bring finished songs to the table? How does that look for you, or how did it look on this most recent record at least? I think lyrics are very personal and it's something typically that we do alone and um, we bring it to the group and we tweak things together. Um, but oftentimes like we'll come in like, you know, uh, music and writing can be like a meditation. So like I said, it's something like you can do alone and then when we come together we like add all the essential pieces. It's like it's kind of different for everybody. I'll have one song where I have it all pretty much in my head and then we just try and like tell everybody and tell the drummer and bassist and stuff. For sure. But yeah, it's pretty much how she described. So what was it like to lean into your writing differences for this album? Because I was reading about it um, the other night and I know you mentioned that, um, you know, you all have different voices obviously. So how does that come together into like one cohesive work of art? I think just For like you. irony, because we weren't trying to, but <laughs> yeah. I would say we came up in a, like this kind of folk songwriting Americana time where there are a lot of sister acts um, mm. and family acts, harmony stuff. And we were like, yeah, we could be like that. We have to work really hard because none of us are related or sound the same <laughs> at all, but we can do that. Um, and this one, we're like, no, let's embrace our individuality and... Um, we kind of just let the person take over and kind of help produce their own thing. And it ended up working because it was just the truest like form of each of ourselves, I think. And like the band does have a sound. We do have mm -hmm. kind of a, we've been told a kind of California sound or a kind of, there's a dreamy element to the rock element. There you is, know? So. there definitely is. So I would love for maybe you guys to say, what's your favorite song, each of you off the record oh. and, and why? Yeah. Off the record, but on the record. Um, I'm gonna say Get Better is definitely my favorite song on the record. I love the way the production worked out. I love, um, because when we were recording it, um, we were sitting in like three different chairs, uh, singing the vocals together after like the basics had been done. And the song, like the, <laughs> the production kind of made me feel like seasick and my stomach kind of hurt. Mm -hmm. But I was like, this is like the feeling that you that I thought Mackenzie, the writer, was describing. So it completely clicked. I was like, whoa, like I'm on a cruise ship and I'm going <laughs> to get sick, but I'm going to get better. And it was just really funny. Awesome. So I think about that. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of good ones on there. I'm really proud of this record. And I feel like we uh, we worked really hard to to get it the way that we wanted to and we're it's, we're proud but um I, I really liked play it safe the first time i heard it um mac tends to just like pull a, like a whole song together and the lyrics are just like so there's so much meat in her lyrics <laughs> uh so like she like came in one day i was like yeah i wrote this song the other day blah, and i was like our jaws just kind of dropped 
We're like, what? How did you just put that together so quick? <laughs> so I really like that song. I love Lose My Mind. Um, I've never gotten to lean into like like the heavy, like a little bit more like pop side of yeah. myself. So that was really fun. And um, it was fun recording that song. Awesome. Gosh, this changes for me a lot. Like to play live right now, Lose or, uh Telepathic Mail is my favorite song to play live. Like I love it's that just, one. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so intricate. It like it hits hard live. It feels good. Um, on the record, like it's so hard. Young and Impressionable is one of my favorites for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way it sounds. Also, Run and Hide. Like when you're so close to something it's often hard for it to still make you emotional and that song still makes me emotional even though it's actually the oldest song on the record it was from years past and we brought it back in oh wow so um yeah this is a really hard question (laughs) i could keep i could probably you guys just list the whole album yeah yeah i know (laughs) sharon's saying they're all so different Mm -hmm. so of course i have to ask you guys about my favorite song of yours which is from a past album which is capable i'm sure you get that a lot because it's such a powerful song so uh if you wanted to tell our listeners why that song is so important to you guys um that's awesome i'm really glad you (laughs) like it we get a lot of emails about that song here and there like this woman sent us a picture of her graduation cap and it said capable on it i love that we like get these emails and we're just like we all respond like separately we're like no way um that song I like wrote when I was kind of like failing in college really? and, and wanted to give myself a pep talk. Um, and it really translates well because we've played so many shows where I feel like it's just a really literal song. Mm-hmm. And I felt for so many years we have to prove ourselves, but it's really just about enjoying yourself and doing what you want to do. Definitely. And like being free to do that. And I think now more than ever I want people to know like hey you could you could do this because I thought for so long because literally because I was a woman I just was not good enough and could never be good enough to wow a crowd or to be in the arts which is so ridiculous right but not true very very (laughs) conservative background and I just Mm -hmm. didn't see it yeah um but I think it all means different things to us and it it ebbs and flows and changes so um, yeah, I just wrote the thing, but we all kind of live in it. So yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Cool. Um, well, I loved watching you guys perform earlier. Um, Pitchless listeners, do yourself a favor and go listen to Cheers. And thank you guys so much for being on. Thanks. Cheers. <laughs> All right, Pitch Listers, we are back right now at Pilgrimage Fest 2019, and we're here with Lucy Silvis. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. You're a familiar face here on Pitch List. That's, I mean, I had such a lovely day with you guys, and it's like it's been a thing that people have really responded to. So it's been it's great to see you here again. Awesome. Yeah, it's great to have you. So Chris talked with you last time on Pitchlist almost a year ago, which is yes. crazy. That, whoa, that's I crazy. <laughs> that's um, scary. Yeah, so <laughs> and your album had just come out, EGO. Yes. Um, so tell us what you've been up to since then. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's so crazy that it's been out a year because it feels like it's been quite a long year, but then that moment was like yesterday, you know? I went I know on tour it. with Anderson East, which was truly one of my favorite things I've done this year because not only am I a genuinely huge fan of him, it was just great audiences. I enjoyed the musical side of it. I enjoyed listening to his band and 
him play. He's such a doll. We've written together a bunch of times. Awesome. And um, so that was really, really something. And then I went on tour with a British artist called Tom O'Dell, who awesome. is also phenomenally talented. He's he's him and Anderson are completely different. They are opposite sides of the spectrum with regards to pop and soul and all that. For sure. But uh, really great to have done that. And then I started out on the Heart tour with Cheryl oh, Crow wow. and Heart, That's which was incredible. so crazy. <laughs> That's like next level. It was crazy. And to see, you know, obviously to see Cheryl Crow and to get to spend time with her, but just watch her show, all these songs that I looked up. She's one of my heroes. Yeah. And I think her and Bonnie Raitt are my two of my, oh my absolute God, yeah. heroes. <laughs> but, you know, and then watching Ann Wilson, like, belt out those incredible... She is yeah. an insane singer, and it just blew my mind. Yeah. And, um, and then now I get to tour with Brandy a little bit, Brandy Carlisle, uh, which... That, so that's, that's next like week. That's power duo right there, oh, like you, you and her. I mean, she is something else, and what she's doing for me, she's doing this thing where she supports her favorite yes, female artist. I just read about that last night. It's incredible. <laughs> it's I, incredible. I don't know any other artist that's done that. It's a first, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Her going on first, which conjures up some real fear in me. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I have to follow Brandy Carlisle? What the hell? And um, But you know, she's going, here's your stage you know, do whatever you want to do. And this is what dreams are made of. And I just I just can't believe she's so generous, so talented and so down to earth. So I love her so much. And and then I go back on the road with heart. So wow. it's constant touring. And then hopefully yeah. I'll have time to start recording again. So awesome. Now you performed earlier today at the uh, Harpeth River stage. Yes. How was the crowd? How was that? The crowd was amazing, actually, because I was, you know, on at 12.55 and it was very hot. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, there might be more people on stage than there are in the audience. <laughs> and actually, there were a lot more people out there. And people showed awesome. up for me and I really appreciated that. And um, it's so nice to be 30 minutes from home and have people come out and support yes. you. Um, we it love was, a hometown it, show. It, it really was. <laughs> so, it was special and I had a good time. It awesome. was great. Now, I love this whole record, EGO. I really do. Thank you. But um, I have to ask you about one of my favorite songs of yours, Smoke. It was the first song that I heard when um, I was introduced to your music, and I immediately fell in love with it, like cinematic, epic feel. Oh, thank um, you so much. Of course. And, and your voice, which in itself has a songwriting or storytelling quality to it, oh, but thank you. the production and the songwriting um, as well. So I would love to hear the story behind that song. Smoke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, that is was I wrote that um, I think it was with my two English friends and it was mm -hmm. while they were in Nashville and I remember just feeling like you know I was it was actually about a friend of mine and it was taught and I could relate to it too feeling mm -hmm. like I wasn't settled in my life and feeling yes. like I was starting all these fires and having to put them out you know when you feel that in your life you haven't matured you don't feel you're running around like a headless chicken in your life. You haven't committed to anything. Sure. And that's really the story behind Smoke, because it says, you know, somebody stop me, I'm a danger to myself. And you grow up a bit, I think, since that song, and even writing about that and being aware sure. of being able to stop and appreciate life and appreciate the people around you more. And um, and also, it was really fun to record the string section on that. Yes, oh um, my gosh, which gives it the like movie quality sound right it. it's and it was so fun jordan lenning who's an amazing producer and songwriter mm -hmm. he actually arranged the strings for that song and um 
it just, it was a really fun one to record. I think we recorded it partly at Eric Massey's studio in East Nashville, mm-hmm. and then um, Reed Shippen mixed it. And it does have that kind of groove and swagger, but it does, and that's what I like about even the songs on EGO. They definitely have a story, yes. they have a journey, they do. and they have quite a big sound while still hopefully being an intimate message. And, yes. Um, you know, Smoke is still one, and actually I didn't play that one today. I'm sad that I didn't now that I know you like it. But um, it's it's still a, a big song in the set, yeah, usually, when I definitely. play definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you for talking about that song. Oh, thanks. Um, and so Chris talked a bit about, um, you know, your journey to doing your solo career um, in your full podcast episode last time. But it is an interesting journey. You know, you were a background vocalist for years, yes. and you've written for other artists. So... What's your advice to up-and-coming songwriters who have all these different avenues? Where do you start, you know? It's a tough one because everyone's journey is so different. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah. I think now that we have social media, we have the internet, it's very, <laughs> it's much easier. Because you can imagine back in 2004, when I had my first album out, we're talking Facebook started that year. Right. <laughs> so before that was like MySpace and we were putting songs up on MySpace crazy and it was like (laughs) but you know that's given us an avenue because you don't need a record deal to you want to open your own doors and of course and especially these days you find that people react more than they make things happen with regards to the music industry like record labels so I think it's really important to be proactive sit down at the piano or just sit down and write lyrics Mm -hmm. write down anything journal and just give yourself the inspiration to get creative and keep going at it and I'm telling you now there are many many times and I've been doing this a long time because I'm 42 now and I started when I was 17 years old as a backing singer so (laughs) there have been plenty of times when I've wanted to quit I've gotten down on it I've gotten well I don't know where the money's coming from how am I gonna make a new album What's the point in writing another song? But then you get inspired again. Some Mm. other artist inspires you or something you've listened to or a movie you've watched or a book you've read. I think you just have to keep showing up to create because if you don't create, you're not, it's like expecting to win the lottery and never buying a lottery ticket. You've got to just make the music and you never know what's going to happen because if you make it, you know, that's the first step. And and people obviously get put off because they're like, well, how am I going? What's the point if no one's going to hear it? And there is a lot of point to making music. I think That's it's healing, too. Very healing, very therapeutic. It's what makes you you. And it doesn't matter what style you are. You don't have to be like anybody lyrically. You don't have to be like anyone musically. You just do what you do, and it will find its place in the world. That's amazing. I'm inspired right now. Oh, <laughs> That's thank incredible. You. So am I, being um, here <laughs> Yeah. So... What's next for you? Maybe another album in the works or? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think it's going to take some time over Christmas. I think when things slow down sure. on the road and then I can, you know, cause I've got some headline dates in November with a good friend of mine called Fancy Haygood, who is quite incredible. He is truly one of the most amazing songwriters. He's coming on. So we're doing a bit of that. And then I'm just going to get back at home, spend some time at home, hopefully with my husband, write some songs and then see what the new year brings. But I really don't know what's ahead. And I never really do. Yeah. I'm just like month to month (laughs) person. And uh, so, but then that's kind of scary, but it's also Mm -hmm. the world is full of endless possibilities. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Everyone go listen to Lucy Silvis' album, EGO, while you wait for new music, which I'm sure is going to be incredible. Thank you. And um, hopefully go catch her on tour.
You're so sweet. Thank Thanks you very so much. much for being on. Thank Well, I'm here right now with rising artist Brie Kennedy. Hi, Brie. How Hi. are you? Hi, Dana. I'm good. I'm hot. It's so hot out right now, but it definitely beats being rained out last year. So <laughs> Yes, I did not uh, experience the terrible rain out, but I did uh, get to experience Brandy Carlisle's secret show at City Winery. Oh my gosh, that after. must have been amazing. Yeah, I stood in line for three and a half hours and, and it brought was worth it. two handles of Jack and gave everybody... <laughs> A bunch of whiskey and enjoyed it, yeah. That's incredible. Awesome. <laughs> so I was just saying, I saw you perform early this morning at the ASCAP stage. How was that? Is this your first pilgrimage? It's my first pilgrimage. It was awesome. It was early, but it was cool to see all the people coming in uh, and just kind of hearing music for the first time. And I was honored that it was me. Yes, and it was incredible. So by the time this podcast hits the airwaves, um, your next show will have happened, but we need to talk about how you just announced that you're opening for Sheryl Crow at the I Ryman. I can't. I'm like, I don't know what to do with my hands <laughs> while you're talking to me. <laughs> like, how, how does that feel? I don't believe it yet. <laughs> yeah. uh, Cheryl Crow is um, a hero of mine. Mm -hmm. And I wish there was a montage video of like the last 10 years of my life. <laughs> like me jamming to my, in my car to Cheryl Crow because she's, she's, the best she's like one of my biggest idols that's incredible so it's amazing how, how did that happen so I mean I, I by chance I <laughs> basically put my EP jealous of birds out mm -hmm. in August and I celebrated my EP release at Mercy Lounge yes. and um, and it was an incredible show by the way <laughs> thank you for being there um, yeah and I a few a few days ago I got news that my agency had kind of sent out you know, my stuff and my music to Cheryl, and I guess it was really important to her to have a new face for one of the nights, and I never in a million years thought it would be me, and she picked me. That's so incredible. I'm amazing. so excited for you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little about Jealous of Birds. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's hard to pick a favorite song off the EP because... Honestly, your voice is incredible. You have such a poetic way with words, but it's yeah. also so relatable. Um, yeah, and I would love to have you tell listeners a little bit about the story behind the title track, if you would. Yeah, Jealous Birds. Um, that was actually the second to last song uh, that I thought would be added on this body of work. I knew I was going to put out Slippin'. I knew I was going to put out One Way. I knew mm -hmm. I was going to put out um, a few of them, but... Um, I hadn't had a title yet, and I, I was actually going to the, well, I was attempting to go to the gym. <laughs> I was having one of those days that I woke up like, no, just not today, happening. no. <laughs> yeah. Like everything, I was just like bummed, mm -hmm. feeling really down, and uh, I was in the car with my boyfriend, Kyle Dredden, <laughs> and I, I saw, a, probably was just a vulture, but I was like, oh, look at that beautiful bird. I'm so jealous of birds. And he was like, you should write that down. And I did, and while I was working out, I just kept thinking about it. And six months fast forward, I would make little voice memos mm -hmm. of what I thought maybe the song could be, and it just wasn't good enough. And finally, I was in Evansville, Indiana, playing at a casino. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, to, to make some money to pay for the record. Yeah. And uh, it was a rainy day, and uh, my guitarist, Matt Koziel, started playing the, the riff. Mm -hmm. uh, the opening ding, riff, ding, yeah. Ding, ding. <laughs> and 
we were supposed to go on in like 10 minutes. And I was like, we have, that's it. That's it. We have to write the song. And he's like, we're going to be late. You can't write the song. We're getting paid for this gig. And uh, we were late. We were like 20 minutes. <laughs> we wrote the first verse and the chorus. And then I, I wrote the whole uh, second verse on the drive home. Oh, my God. From Indiana. And I, I just knew it was my title track. It just felt right. Yeah. What did it feel like to finally get that song out after you've been carrying around that title for how, you know, six months? Uh, it felt like... <laughs> this is gonna be bad to say. It felt like a big poop. It was. <laughs> it was awesome to know that. Like, I don't know. I think when when you're making like a body of work or you're working towards anything, that aha moment where you're like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, okay, this is starting this to make sense. This is something big. Yeah. You know, like that was kind of a moment where I was like, okay, this feels good. Sure. I'm gonna put this out. That's incredible. Yeah. I love the story of that. Thank you. Um, What's your favorite song off the EP? Because we're a songwriting podcast, so we love to talk about yeah. the writing process. Um, so what's one of your favorites that you've written on the EP? Where I'm From. Tell um, us a little bit about that. Yeah, I wrote that uh, almost three weeks before I was even supposed to put the EP out um, with my friend Jessica Sharman. And she was visiting from the UK. We had never met before. Mm -hmm. um, my publisher said, you need to meet this girl, you need to write. And I thought okay, we keep meeting, we're not writing, we're just becoming really great friends. and Which uh, is sometimes the best way 100%. to start a co-writer partnership. 100%. And, and I mean, she's one of my best friends now, but she sat me down like two days before she was supposed to leave back to the UK. And um, I told her, you know, my, my little sister found out she's adopted and it's really heavy and my dad's going through a lot and I'm going through a lot and... I just want to write a song for my sister and my dad Yeah, that they can hear at the EP release show. Like, mm. let's just shoot for it. Let's do wow. it. And um, <laughs> the song is called Where I'm From. Literally, the drums is just me on the floor. Just in, with my in fingers. In the actual track on the record? Yeah, it's me <laughs> wow. on the floor at her Airbnb. And uh, it's just the first thing that we did into her logic session. And I love that. Kyle was like, <laughs> okay, I guess I'll mix this. <laughs> but that's my favorite. Awesome. So what are your plans from here? Do you have plans to make another record, maybe tour on the EP? Yeah, so I am um, spending the rest of this year kind of getting outside of Nashville and playing mm -hmm. this EP um, and finding a way to um, integrate this EP into different, you know, trio, duo, full band, just sure. getting getting the word out. Um, and meanwhile, I have written a few songs um, that I know will go towards a full-length record next year. Incredible. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it, for one. Um, everyone, make sure you go listen to Jealous of Birds. Go follow Brie on social media because this will not be the last you hear of her. Thanks, Thank you girl. so Thanks, much for Dana. being on. Bye. I adore you. <laughs> All right, Pitch Listers, we're here with another up-and-coming artist right now, Anna Shoemaker. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. So we were just talking. You played earlier this morning at the ASCAP stage. Yeah. How was that? It was great. It was it was really fun to play um, and, you know, my set and kind of do my thing here, especially in Nashville. I never played in Nashville before, so doing it here was ju just 
Awesome. That's incredible. Wait, so was this your first Nashville show ever? Yeah, this is my first Nashville show. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so exciting. It is, it's really cool. I've, I've done some recording down here too, so sure. I feel like I've kind of like dipped my toe, my pinky toe nail <laughs> into the Nashville scene. scene. And um, so playing here was just great. Awesome. And where are you originally based or where are you based out of? I'm based out of New York and I'm from Philadelphia. Awesome. Yeah. Well, congrats on your first national show and your first pilgrimage. Thank you. Um, so for listeners of the podcast who haven't yet heard your music, how would you describe your sound? I would definitely say it's indie pop. You know, I started out kind of writing just singer songwriter, me and my guitar, and mm -hmm. I've slowly just added more and more elements um, from genres that inspire me, you know definitely pop music some hip-hop rock everything really yeah um, who are some of your favorite artists that have inspired your sound I grew up listening to a lot of Sheryl Crow with my mom um, classic yeah classic <laughs> and you know um, I actually grew up listening to Johnny Cash with my grandfather and I was obsessed with the Spice Girls and Britney Spears and then <laughs> yes. Kanye West and Jay-Z and I really listen to hodgepodge. Yes, I listen to so so much music. It, it doesn't even make sense. Like my playlists are just all <laughs> genre. Really doesn't mean anything to me because it's like, for me, it's about the writing and and this, the messages of the songs. Like that's what if if it's saying something that I relate to, then I probably like the song, no matter what it sounds like. For sure. Like. And I think that's something that's honestly developing more. Like the limits of genre are kind of going away and totally. people are just appreciating the music just for what it is. Yeah, I think I think it's it's just about how it makes you feel, you know, and how it makes you move. Mm -hmm. It's the most important now, thing. I was reading about your story earlier this week, and it's super interesting how you got your start. Um, you blew up on SoundCloud with a cover <laughs> mashup. Yeah, what I, the heck? I like made this weird cover of like a Chance the Rapper and Kendrick Lamar song, and I just was like kind of fucking around, like whatever. And then I showed it to my sister, and she's like, "You should put that on SoundCloud." And so I did, and it started gaining a lot of traction, weirdly, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, it was really weird, and I just kind of made, built a lot of connections through that and was eventually able to start playing more shows, especially in New York. Sure. Um, and then I got signed, and it was just, like, bizarre. That is crazy. Had you, like, posted music online before that? Yeah, I posted my, my singer-songwriter <laughs> yeah. jams, and no one seemed to like those as much as they like Chance the Rapper, but that's okay. It's all right. I'm not hurt. That's incredible. So you've been signed. When was this? And, and This was two years ago. Okay. Um, that Yeah, I signed to Five Towns Records um, two years ago, and I've been working with them, and now um, I've got something new coming up. Awesome. And I'll be putting out some new music this fall. That's and, exciting. Yeah. Um, and you released your debut EP almost a year ago, yeah. which was produced by Grammy-nominated producer JT Daly. What was yeah. that experience like? It's great. He lives down here in Nashville, and his studio's down here. So I came down here for a little bit, and it was nice to just kind of get in the zone, get out of the city, and write down here sure. and um, rework some songs I'd written in New York and um, just kind of really take a little bit to focus on that. And then I just did that again this past um, spring, I came back down here and I was down here for longer this time and I re-immersed myself in kind of like, you know, making music and I did it again with JT. We, we produced five songs that are going to come out this fall. 
Amazing. I, I yeah. feel like Nashville seems to have a little bit of magic when it comes to writing and recording. Do, yeah, do I think that? so. I definitely think so. I think also for me, just kind of um, getting out of the city kind of equated with like getting out of my head and kind of getting out of my usual routine and, and being able to just kind of be on my own. Like I don't really have any friends here or family <laughs> here. All my family's in the East Coast. Mm -hmm. and. It was just kind of nice to just sit with my thoughts and, and kind of like decompress and be able to write about that. That's awesome. So, and since you, since putting out the EP, you put out two singles. Yeah. Most recently, your single Home. So my, tell us yeah. about uh, the story behind that song. So I wrote that song with my two friends, Tyler Cordy and Dan Edenberg, and we wrote it in um, Dan's home studio. And for me, that song is really weird looking back on it because I, I look back on on me writing that song and I was kind of in like a messed up relationship and I listen to that song now and I think like oh my god that person who wrote that is like kind of messed up in the head and like it's really about like how someone else is your home and you need to get to that person because they're they're you know almost like who you are and you're not yourself mm -hmm. without them and I think looking back I've really realized that like you need to be your own home or else you're going to be drunk texting, like I say in that song, or like spilling liquor all over your bed and like just being a total yeah. mess unless, and if you are your own home, then you can't like drunk text yourself. You can't like, <laughs> you know, be for sure, you know, for sure. You can still be crazy, but like it's, it's a little more manageable. Definitely. So, I mean, isn't it interesting how looking back on songs that you wrote in the past it can yeah. feel so different than the moment you wrote them but why it's do you think really it's still weird. important to you know have those songs be out even though that might not be a reflection of who you are right now totally I think I think it was like Taylor Swift or someone that was talking about how like songs are crazy because it's like you can write or she was talking actually I think about like her diary entries or something and how like you look back on that and like because now you've learned things from those songs and you've learned things from those situations you see those scenarios different but a song is almost like a screenshot of how you felt in that moment and that's really rare to have because it's like rarely do you look back on memories and think of them in the same mindset that you were in does that right. make sense for sure so it's like those songs it's like i want to go and like help that person because of what i know now and like how i know that my actual life plays out from like the mm -hmm. scenario but like it's just kind of cool to like remember who you were i guess yeah definitely and i think that's kind of the power of music too for maybe someone who's oh, in yeah. that spot yeah. who hears that song and relates to it. Totally. So remind our listeners again, when will you have new music out? This fall. So stay tuned, follow my, you know, things. Yes, where they can find you, <laughs> find you on social media. Um, it's Anna Shoemaker underscore because, you know, someone took Anna Shoemaker <laughs> and she's not responding to my DM. So Anna, <laughs> at Anna Shoemaker, if you're listening to this. Perfect. Well, <laughs> listeners, go check out Anna Shoemaker. Go stream her latest single home. Yeah. And Anna, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. great. Bye. Thanks. All right, Pitch Listers, we're here right now with singer-songwriter Anna Rose. How are you? I'm good. I'm great. It's nice to be here at Pilgrimage. Yes. Is this your first pilgrimage? This is my first pilgrimage. Awesome. It feels good. How's it been so far? You played earlier today? Or? Oh, yeah. yeah. I played... Uh, 
an hour or something. I don't know. I can't tell time. <laughs> but it's been great. I've been walking around now, had had a drink, had oh, some yeah. food. It's that time of the day. Getting an IV, living <laughs> my best life. It's awesome. been really fun. It's really cool to be on a bill with your friends. Yes, and with so many incredible artists. Like the lineup it's, for this weekend is crazy. The lineup this year is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm so I'm so honored. It's real. It's that simple. I'm just honored to be included among these artists that I deeply, deeply respect sure. and have been influenced by. The Foo Fighters have been a huge yes. influence for me. I mean, the Killers. Uh, They're nowhere. I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's kind of when you've been working. I'm I'm completely independent, um, and so when you've been working for a really long time and you get breaks like this, and I have to credit ASCAP with that because they really gave me this opportunity. Sure. And it's it's not lost on me uh, that it doesn't happen for everyone, but that if you keep working hard, that something, some little ray of light will come through. And, and it was really amazing Definitely. to get to do this. Yeah. Definitely. So for those listening right now who've never heard your music, how would you describe it? Because I was listening this <laughs> week and some of your lyrics are pretty dark, very much yeah. blues, rock and roll, yeah. um, as is your voice, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, how would you describe your music? Your I sound? would describe it as um, alt-rock Americana with some outlaw country and some blues. Hell yeah. I don't, I don't love to define by genre because mm -hmm. I think when you put people in a box, they lose their their ability to, to broaden and to learn and yes. I've been influenced by so many different kinds of music throughout the years um, everything from musical theater to to um, Indian and Raga music and uh, Balinese gamelan music and then Soundgarden and Nirvana and all I mean yeah I, I really I'm I kind of run the gamut and I, I can sort of put it in the appropriate quote-unquote boxes but I do like to let people pick for themselves, but yeah, I'd I'd, I'd say the broad genre of alt rock with yeah. some blues Americana, outlaw country. Definitely, which sounds awesome. That sounds like a great combo. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I can talk the talk, <laughs> <laughs> and you can walk the walk. Thank you. But I was talking with um, an artist earlier today, and we were talking about how we feel like the walls of genre are kind of breaking down, which yes. is awesome because it allows artists to be more free in what they create. I think it should. I think those genres, and this is not, uh, this is not to to put down radio, but I think sure. genres, genres were created by radio and by labels to be able to market things. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. when you're making music, in a lot of ways, you are a business. And I think you understand that inherently when you're an independent artist. Mm -hmm. Labels and radio, as they're trying to figure out what to do and, and what artists are right for them, right. they have to pick lanes for those artists and they have to figure out how to develop them. And so I can understand it from the business perspective of why people have to do sure. that. For me, I, I love seeing the genres break down because I think the more that it happens and and the gender specificities break down. Sure. Because I've... I've faced a lot of discrimination as a woman in rock music because mm -hmm, I am sure. I have fit squarely in rock music for a long time and it's and that's not to say oh poor me it's just I like seeing these breakdowns happen because it means that we're we're making progress definitely music I, I think there was a giant musical revolution 
in the 60s and 70s, and I think we're due for another. And I can see it happening in Nashville, and Hell it's yeah. really exciting. Yeah. Seeing all these artists here, it's really yes. exciting. Yes, and I think that, um, you know, a target audience, quote unquote, yeah. um, they can surprise uh, the mainstream radio sometimes. Yeah. Like, people like out of the box things, too. Yes, I know? mean, listen. You look at someone like Billie Eilish. Exactly. Who came completely out of left field. And is now top 40. <laughs> and she started as independent. And mm -hmm. you look at her fan base. And that watching footage from her shows is so, so exciting. I mean, alarmingly so. That her <laughs> yeah. fan base is so dedicated to her. And that's so cool. And I, the fact that, and as someone who does lyrics, Mm -hmm. who writes lyrics that are pretty dark mm -hmm. I really enjoy yeah. hearing someone that's being embraced like that because I do think that at the core of, of making music is about the desire to be heard and the desire for the people who are listening to feel heard definitely and that's the ways. most important thing that you can do is connect with people right I agree and so I think it goes both ways you can't you can't just write love songs because there's that's, a lot of heartbreak in the world. That's so true. Yeah. Um, so you released a couple of singles this year. Um, oh, yes. But let's talk about your latest single, Broken is Beautiful. Yeah. Um, what's the story behind writing that song? Since we're a songwriting podcast, this is like our bread and butter. So. Oh, yes. Give me all <laughs> the songwriting work. So Broken is Beautiful um, was a song that I wrote with the guy who produced the record with me. His name is Paul Moak. Mm -hmm. um, and it was kind of the moment when I finally got really real about uh, admitting that I had Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. um, I was very, very private about it for a few years. I was going through treatment, finishing treatment at the time that I was writing this song. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of just tired of, I was tired of pretending to hold it together. I was really scared that I wasn't going to get to continue as a songwriter. Sure because I was having trouble remembering lyrics. I was having trouble wow. writing. Wow. I mean, it, it. I couldn't access my vocabulary the way that I had been able to access it before. Those, The streams of thought that you get where one thing leads to another, leads mm -hmm. to another, leads to another, it was gone out of my brain. I was just thinking differently. Um, the other thing that happened is my hands went numb. Wow. And so I couldn't play guitar. And I, I kind of, I was in this place where it was, well, I'm sort of recovering, but what if I can't do it anymore? And out came this song. Wow. And it was really about how it, it is a very lonely process when you're sick, mm -hmm. but you look okay. Mm -hmm. And you're in a lot of pain. And you have something that's complicated, that's different for every person. Um, and that's why I don't, I, I am certainly an advocate for Lyme research. Um, sure. But I try to be very careful about when I speak about it because it's it's really um, it's something that affects everyone differently. But this song was really written about that. It was about that uh, that black hole that you feel like you yeah. get sucked into, um, and kind of feeling like you're floating in the abyss and no one's going to be able to pull you out. Yeah, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. You know, no matter whether it be what they're going through, mental illness exactly. or anything in their life that they're struggling with yes you, you can get to that point and it's really hard yeah um so yeah i think thank you for writing about that because oh. i think it's so important thank you to talk for, about thank you for feeling it it, yeah. it was 
it was it was a, a labor of a lot of pain and also a lot of love. Yeah. Yeah. So I was reading about your story um, this week, and I read that you've also had a bunch of your songs placed in film and TV, um, a song in This Is Us most yes. recently, which is very exciting. Yeah, um, Nobody Knows I'm Here. It's great. <laughs> of course, it was, a, you know, as an independent artist, you're like, of course it's a song called Nobody Knows I'm Here, right? <laughs> Maybe someone will know I'm here after this. <laughs> um, well, I would love to hear you talk a little bit about your writing process, sitting down to write specifically for sync, or is it there kind of a crossover? Absolutely. I mean, I think there is a crossover. Sometimes a song that you write will absolutely cross over into the field where it's right for film and television. Mm -hmm. But as I grew up with a parent who writes for film and TV and theater, um, and what I was raised on was the idea of writing for character and writing for a scene right. and writing and so that's so interesting yeah so that's what my dad does mm -hmm. so which is very different from what i do right but weirdly i had a lot of insight on that and the way that i was writing songs early he would tell me okay that's a great song now go back and write it as if it was a Sheryl crow song okay now go back and do it as a ballad okay now go back and do it as this go back and do it as that make that's it a country awesome. tune make it a grunge tune and it was something that really prepared me for working in film and television with the song nobody knows i'm here i think that was a really great uh coincidence in a way it was a song that was deeply sure. personal to me that worked for the show and i'm so grateful for that i think when you're writing directly for film and television there is an element of you have to write it and then you have to allow all of those people who are going to have a say about it yeah to have their kind say about it, it. A little bit. It's, it's really about not being precious about mm -hmm. it when it's when you as an artist are doing it for you as an artist to perform and it's the same thing goes for when you're writing for another artist sure that's so true you have to take yourself as an artist out of it because as a songwriter you're there to serve the song and to serve the moment and so that's mm -hmm. the one thing that i would say about that is uh, in this particular instance i got lucky <laughs> but genuinely, yeah. I mean, you know, you have those moments where a song that's going to be on right. your next right. record, like, it was, you know, so cool when a song that happens to be on your next record is going to get synced. Um, but when you're really directly writing for film and television, there has to be some kind of understanding that you are there to do a job. For sure. And you are writing music for a character and you have to dive headfirst into that character. And it, it, in a way, it is a level of acting. Right, that's such great advice too. And um, so you mentioned your dad, and of course we have to mention the fact that you come from a musical family. Yes, I figured um, it was coming up as we were, we were and, getting there. And your mom was a, a ballet dancer. And my mom was a professional dancer. Right, and, yeah. and your dad, Alan Menken, has written some of Disney's most iconic songs. That um, man has more Academy Awards than any living person on the planet. That's impressive. That is very impressive. It's definitely something that uh, sits in the back of my mind when I'm writing at home by myself. Well, I, I would love to know, so do you ever write or collaborate with him? We do, actually. We've actually, we really stayed away from it for a long time sure. because I, I was very adamant and I, I, I've spent, I've been in the business for professionally doing mm -hmm. this for about 13-ish years. Sure. 14 years maybe. And wow. I, I really was irreverent of the fact that at the very beginning, his reputation was walking into any room with me. Mm. And it was the most important talking point about me. And mm. that felt really hurtful That's at the hard. beginning because it wasn't, 
It wasn't about me mm -hmm. um, or what I could do or what my song sounded like or what my perspective was. And I knew that it was going to be, there was going to be a level of, I needed to do the work and I was very happy to. I, I knew it was going to be about 10 years on the road and mm -hmm. hoofing it mm -hmm. before I gained my own reputation. And it was at that time that a lot of opportunities started opening for both of us to work together. Um, because I had proven myself as a songwriter and as an artist and right. that's when it's been really fun to work with him. Early on in my career, <laughs> I worked as a demo singer for him and a oh, lot wow. of the Disney demo, a lot of the demos for different films, um, are, are me singing. That's crazy. Um, which is kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, but it was a good way to make money and, um, yeah, it, it, that worked out pretty well. But yeah, yeah. Uh, now working with him is really funny because... He, he was incredibly instrumental in how I write and, right. and sitting in the room with him now is kind of a trip <laughs> we argue about the right the right <laughs> verb or right. the right vowel placement that's so funny but it's it's great I mean he, yeah. I I have the deepest respect for him and I think I made a choice a really long time ago to not because there are a lot of artists out there who have prominent parents Sure. Um, who were also in music, and I think you make the choice to either have a chip on your shoulder, mm -hmm. or to build your own career and to do the work. Because Girl, there's you did. No, yeah, <laughs> and there's no way around. The thing that I will say is that there's mm -hmm. no way around doing the work. Right. That's you just I have agree. to do it. It's because if you don't, it it does come back to bite you. It will. And <laughs> not to mention, if you don't love doing the mm -hmm. work, of course, then you shouldn't be doing it. And to right. me, like. Every gig, every writing session, I just feel grateful, particularly after getting sick, because I really mm -hmm. didn't know if it was going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. It's Thanks for really inspiring. Um, what can you tell us about your album that's coming out in a few oh, weeks? I'll tell you all about that <laughs> album. So it comes out on October 4th. Awesome. It is called The Light Between. Uh, it was produced by an incredible songwriter producer named Paul Moak. This album really chronicles me getting sick and finding rock bottom mm. to coming out the other side mm -hmm. of it and finding kind of the, the reason why I called it the light between was because it, I remember laying in bed a lot and not being able to get up and looking through the curtains and seeing the that little light that shines wow. between the shade on your window and and the border of your window and, wow. and looking at that stream of light and thinking well that's still there so i'm okay that's incredibly powerful mm -hmm. wow <laughs> well i'm sure that our listeners cannot wait to hear it by the time this hits podcast land it will be out oh <laughs> Which is great. Uh, please listen to my record. Yes. Also, streaming rates are pretty crazy. So if you want to buy it on iTunes, I won't be mad at you. Yes, uh, we also have vinyl it. and CDs if you still have a CD player in your car. If you have an old car, check the transmission, but also buy my CD. <laughs> buy this album on all forms of media. That was the better way to put it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. Thank it was you. great talking to you. It was so great to talk to you, too. All right, bye.
All right, you guys, we have one more artist here today at Pilgrimage Fest. Um, and we're here right now with Americana singer-songwriter Stephen Kellogg. How are you? I am, I am great. Thank <laughs> you very much. Awesome. Now, is this your first time playing at Pilgrimage? It is, yeah. Yeah. No, but I've, but I've always seen this festival and loved the acts that have been associated with it. Yeah. And, just, and uh, it was a real dream when we got the offer to come here this year. Yeah. So you performed earlier today at the ASCAP stage. How was that? It was so much fun. It was just so much fun. Like my soul, I've been doing this almost 20 years and uh, it was just so lovely to be able to like take it in and be present mm -hmm. for it and not miss a moment of all those beautiful people awesome. singing along and doing it. It was just really great. Yeah. Awesome. And I do feel like pilgrimage has like a special vibe. It really does. I, I just love the atmosphere around it. That's cool. So you've done this a bunch before. Uh, we, I did come last year, but it got rained out. I know. It was crazy. <laughs> I know. I heard about that and, and I was a little it's like, like gone anxious. down in history. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's but uh, weather held out today. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. gorgeous. I it's mean, beautiful. for that, this is like as good as it gets around exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah. Now let's talk about your music. Um, first of all, it's absolutely gorgeous. It, to me, your music feels like a warm blanket. It does. Thank you. <laughs> and Thank you. Um, you have classic storytelling. Thank um, you. So I would love to know more about your last album, Objects in the Mirror, which came out last year, and it's your 10th studio album. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's incredible. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Um, you know, uh, so over the years, I was on a bunch of labels. I was mm -hmm. on a bunch of big labels, and uh, I worked with a lot of great people. I have no regrets about any of it. But I found myself independent, kind of mm -hmm. going into this next record. And uh, I feel like the silver lining of being independent is you can ask yourself, what do I really want to do? Yes. What do I want to do? Without worrying about commercial marketability or anything. And what I've always kind of been drawn to is the 70s singer-songwriter kind of vibe I grew up listening to. I love Bob Seger. Mm -hmm. I loved like early Rod Stewart. I like things that, I mean, I don't hear them talked about in the same way that you hear Jackson Brown or Bruce Springsteen. That's so true. Who are also great, but I mean, for me, it was these like kind of mainstream singer-songwriters. So I really, uh, we made this record. We made it in Nashville. We recorded it live in four days. Wow. Uh, we had a great band. We had Chris from uh, Brandy Carlisle's band was playing drums. I mean, we put, we put a couple of Nashville ringers in there, but we also had some of my touring band. And I just went in with the true north idea of like, I want to be able to sing these songs live from beginning to end mm. and have it feel like we just had an experience. And that's what this record's about. You know? I love that. And I love the fact that, you know, it's live too. like you recorded live with a band. I feel like that helps that feel too when going to the stage. I hear it and it matters mm -hmm. to me. And yeah. that's the one thing like people could, there's definitely imperfections in there, sure. but, it, but when you hear it as the artist, yeah. It's like whether it sells or it doesn't sell, you have that to hang on to. And and that's one thing with this new record, Objects in the Mirror, that I do have. Like I can I can put it on and remember what we did, you know, and that means everything. That's awesome. Um, so what's one of your favorite songs off that album? And can you tell us the story behind it? Because we're a songwriting podcast, so love we that. love talking about oh, uh, writing. Um, well... Real quick, as a general note, I'll say about this record. Uh, I wrote a number of the songs. I had ideas, and I wrote them with Eric Donnelly, who was kind of my he was a co-producer on the record, mm -hmm. and he was the guy who would come in, and I'd say, "What do you think?" He'd say, "This is great. Give me a couple of ideas," mm -hmm. and so we'd work on it a little and agree that it was great. 
Then he would call me at like midnight <laughs> and be like, do you think we should move this pronoun? <laughs> and I'd be like, damn it, Eric, we, we agreed this was done. And then I think about it for a half hour. I'd be like, you're right. We should totally move this pronoun. So, so, um, and because we sandblasted these songs, now when I get mm-hmm. to go tour them, they hold up in a really sure. way that's special. Um, the sing- I guess I'll talk about the single off the record, which is High Highs, Low Lows. And that was a song that originally I had written. Um, you know, it's kind of self-explanatory what it's about. High Highs, Low Lows, that's, an ex- that's something we most of us can relate to. Right. But it originally was kind of a jovial song. And as I got into it, I thought this ride is, this is heavy emotion that we go through. And the kind of vibe of it started to change. And we started to tighten the lyrics to say what I really wanted to say mm. instead of just making it like a singy kind of anthem. And that was one of those songs that we recorded. We didn't, there was a lightning storm going on outside. We had no idea the tape was running. First take, even the lights were flashing in oh the studio. So we really thought, and we went with not only that first run through of the song, but we put that rough mix. So we literally wow. played the song once, and we played it other times, but it never got better. That was the one. Yeah. And that's what ended up being the single. So it was a song that literally got played once. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was pretty, it was pretty, like, it was pretty special because it was kind yeah. of what happens when everybody, everybody leaned into it in a way that, And the magic it, you know, just comes together. Yeah, and, I th- and we just kind of, yeah, it was, it was pretty special. That's awesome. Now... I'm curious because I know you've written for other artists like OAR and um, American Idol winner Nick, Nick Fradiani. Yes. Robert um, Randolph was one. We actually got a Grammy nom, although we didn't win. Oh, wow. I mean, that's still an accomplishment. It, it so. is. It is. Holy crap. It made me about $600, but it was an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm curious. How is the writing process different for you when writing for yourself and or writing for other artists? Well... I guess the thing I love about writing with other artists is that other people who I know, everybody has like their own truth that they're trying to mm. articulate, right? And I do feel like there are so many better singers than me. There are so many better, there's just better artists than, than me. I, I'm a well aware of that. But I do feel like the thing that I lock into is when I'm with somebody and they have something that's important to them, I really encourage them to tell me your story. Let's hear yes. it. And then a lot of times I regurgitate what they've said to me. And they're like, dude, I love that line. I love doing that. And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, cool. I'm, I'm helping write this song. But the, but in honest, in honesty, you're like, you're just, you know, you're just telling people what they're saying. And, um, so I like to write songs for people. I, you know, I like writing songs in general, but my real thrill, <laughs> if I'm not writing for myself, is to be with an actual artist who's got some truth they're trying to articulate, and I like to get in that room and be like, "We're not leaving this room until some until we've told the truth," you know, and uh, and that's my favorite writes. That's what happens. Yeah, I know? think every writer should aim to to do that, you know, because that's what people that's what people connect to when they hear something vulnerable. I know, you know, but but, but, but having spent a lot of time here in Nashville, where we are, yes. If you're doing it every day, mm-hmm. it's it a big hard. ask to put your heart on the line every day. <laughs> it's a, it can be emotionally draining. It really yeah. can. I decided not to move here because I don't want that for myself. Mm-hmm. I want to bring it every single time. Even if we don't get a winner, mm-hmm. I want to bring it. But that meant to, once I started coming down here a lot, I was like, 
This means I can't be here all the time. I can't. I can't do this every day. It's Definitely. too much. It's too traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Well, let's talk about another interesting aspect of your work uh, that you've been involved in for the past ten years, which is performing for the troops abroad, uh-huh. um, which is incredible. Why is this cause so close to your heart, and uh, where have you played in this regard? I'm curious. Well, you know. Um, at the beginning of my career, it became apparent, like, we, I don't know how big we'll get or we won't get. Like, it's some of it, a lot of it's beyond an artist's control. And so we said, like, we want to give, we want to have things that fuel us outside of the music. And uh, we started doing pediatric hospitals because that was just an easy thing wow. we could all agree upon. We would go <laughs> yeah. in and we would go, there's nobody in this country that doesn't want to eradicate pediatric cancer. <laughs> yeah. So let's go in and try to make these people's lives better wow. and these, you know, and do what we can. The other thing we agreed upon at the time, this was a long time ago, but it was 2005, 2006, and there was a lot of like a lot of like shade flying around about the military. It was kind of a weird thing to me because I thought none of us had ever had to serve. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us had relatives who had served and uh, and it's not political. Like it's mm-hmm. the military does what they're asked to do. For better or for worse. That's true. You know? And uh, so we thought our service can be, let's go and entertain these people. So we started doing it a long time ago. We've been to the Middle East a number of times. Wow. Been to Bahrain, Kuwait, wow. Africa, you know. Um, I played on an aircraft carrier, landed on... I'm a very queasy person, so <laughs> I landed on this 110 degrees out in a, And they're like, you'll be fine. And I'm like, <laughs> I have to not throw up on this hard deck right now for, like, my pride, you know? But we've done all that, and uh, honestly, it's 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 one of those things I get asked about a lot. I'm mm-hmm. not sure that I've given back half as much as I've been given from the people who who serve our country. Sure. I think the I think America's a, a very um, it, there's it's not perfect, but but at its at its core, there is a good effort that's being made to be a good a force of good in the world, and I try to kind of take that into my heart when I go sure. out and play for these folks. Sure. Yeah. And you know, I like that you said it's not political. It's music is healing and these people yeah. need healing. Yeah. I think at its yeah. core. I have very strong feelings about certain politicians and I hate, I hate when people say, you know, you're an entertainer, entertain like, no, I'm a human first. Yeah. I got kids and they need, they look up to me to show them what I believe in. So I have no issue with politicians. The gloves come off with the military. I'm just there to, to kind of make, to say thanks for your service. Yes. Thank you for spending long periods of time over here while we, so we get to live in this country. You know? That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so what advice would you give to other artists who want to give back to the community or causes that they're passionate about? Well, I think the biggest thing to ask yourself is what do I really care about? Yeah. I mean, this is not a rehearsal, you know, yeah. life is not a rehearsal. <laughs> What matters to you, you know? And, and for some people, it's the environment. For some people, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's trafficking. It's, there's so many things that you can care about. So caring about something and starting to look around for how you can be involved in that, you're, you think that you're doing it for someone else. What you're mm-hmm. really doing is taking your God-given talents and you're pouring it back into areas that need it. They, they're always, everybody's always looking for somebody to, like, play a show for them yeah. and if you can bring your soul and heart into that it means something and it makes you feel better about what you're doing because so often as artists we aren't recognized i mean mm-hmm. your huge bands all get recognized it's it's like 
you don't always feel like you're making a difference in the world. But when you do these things, you do, and you're like, it's not that ego-driven thing, but it's something else. Yes, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, tell us what's next for you. You're currently on tour all the way through the end of the year. Is that right? Yeah, we got a lot. Yeah. I I feel like I'm touring like I did when I was 20, and I'm (laughs) almost 43, so that's not the case. But, uh, (laughs) But this record has felt really sturdy. It's brought with it a lot of opportunities, not the least of which is being here at Pilgrimage. And, uh... So a songwriter named Will Hogue and I are going mm. out for about three weeks. Swap, we're just sitting on stage for the whole night, swapping songs and stories. That's incredible. Um, oh, I love yeah. that. We're going to do that. I've loved his catalog for ages. Mm-hmm. So we do that. Then I go out with the band. Uh, then I have a book coming out. So oh, I'm going to go out and do a... That's awesome. My, I, I, I kind of had this idea for something I thought, I'm like, this will be so <laughs> genius. And then I watched Springsteen on Broadway. I'm like... <laughs> This guy's like doing what I want to do oh on God. steroids. Yes, you know, I was like, oh shit. That this show is, is yeah. cool. It was, it, <laughs> guys awesome. I mean, watching him do that, I was, it's humbling. Yeah. But essentially, his ethos, it's not far off from what I'm aiming at. And so in December, I will go out and I will do my version of like reading from the book, you know, talking, That's just awesome. doing all that. Yeah. Any new music soon? So I have written some new songs. Um, and I've written, I'm working on some songs with other folks. Um, I've been so, turns out writing a book is harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> um, and so I've been so consumed with that, that the songwriting, a lot of it hasn't been recorded. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a fire in my belly. I don't know how long I get choked up thinking about this, but I just don't know how long any of us have. You reach a point in it's life where true. you're like, there's probably more time behind me than ahead of me. So... I want to make it count, and so the music. I mean, all all this stuff I'm trying to create. I'm doing it with like a eye on the clock. I, I just want to. Uh, uh, I'm pretty fired up, so there will yeah. be more music probably in 2020. I just trying to balance it with the book and the touring and all the rest of the yes, things. Yes, so. do all the things. Yeah, all I the things. I can't wait. Exactly. I can't wait. Well, pitchless listeners, by the time this hits your ears. Stephen Kellogg may still be on tour, but if not, there's a, go, a uh, good likelihood. Yeah, good likelihood. Uh, but if not, go check out his latest album, and you will be in for a treat. So thank yeah, you so thank much. Thank you for the thoughtful questions and for the dialogue. Oh, and just, thank you. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, cool. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List. To hear songs written and/or recorded by today's guest. Check out this week's playlist by finding us on Spotify at Pitch List Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. And if you want, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review. We also want to know what songwriters, artists, or music business professionals you want to hear from next. Let us know by visiting our website at pitchlistpodcast.com or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.